Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA Podcast Network. This week I chat with Bantam goaltender Shane Phillips of South Carolina. In this episode, Shane and I talk about youth hockey during the pandemic, growing up and playing hockey in the Southeast, and how he broke his back during COVID. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, you may notice my background looks a little bit different. We're doing some updates and renovations to the house right now, and that includes fresh paint on the walls. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Shane. Corey, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join the podcast, talk some goaltending, and uh, wherever else just the uh, conversation takes us. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me, Joe. Yeah, it's it's been a while since we've uh, chatted and uh, been on the ice together. Absolutely too long. I feel like one of the many things that I missed during the pandemic, just getting out and skating every once in a while, kind of a shaking off the the rust figuratively and literally off my blades i'm sure they're sitting in my poor basement right now yeah you know i've had a few skates but uh, with my team opting out of the winter season uh not as much as i would like and i've been getting texts lately but for you know my son's baseball started up and a couple other things going on where it's like ah i gotta because it wasn't on the calendar a week or so ago i gotta say no I'm trying to line up calendar times too. I feel like with um just everything going on with, you know, my brothers or family or my wife or this or that, it seems like I'm half the people I know are bored out of their mind. And the other half <laughs> is just blown away by who's bored right now. And just everything is sort of piling on itself. Yeah. Well, we're, we're in the middle of trying to decide if we move or do renovations to the house or whatnot. So th- there's a lot of work going on in our house. So if I'm not working, I'm working on the house. <laughs> yeah. 
the to-do yeah. list. Yeah, exactly. And um, I've got it on my phone and thank goodness I no longer have to scroll on that list. It's uh, all on, <laughs> on one screen. That's uh, good. You must have made a good dent on it then. Yes. Uh, and it, it's the dent of like the big stuff. So now it's just, you know, some of the smaller stuff. And one of them on there is a, a fun task of burning all of the burnables back in the fire pit. So okay, I, I think Saturday might be a really nice day for that. All right. Yeah. Bring the s'mores and hang out outside. Could exactly. Yeah, be worse talking, for sure. Talking like 80 degrees on Saturday. I'm down for that. Bring the cooler out. We're good to mm-hmm. go. And I feel like uh, I had some, those were high on my list last summer to do like the, you know, the, the raised flower beds and some of the, the crafty outdoors things. And, and now it's just like, all right, build more of my desk. Like, where am I <laughs> spending the time? What do I need to be comfortable doing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Hey, before we go down that rabbit hole, uh, let, let's get into it. Um, you know, the, the first question I ask a lot of, uh, my guests is, you know, how did you get started in hockey? Not just golfing, but hockey in general. Definitely just skating as a little kid. I, I feel like I started when I was um, two or three, just wobbling around on blades on a, a frozen pond type of thing. Mm-hmm. And this was sort of before we had the, the seals you hold on to with the, you know, things underneath them. We just had chairs where sort yep. of our, our seals of the day and we'd walk around and hobble and eventually fall and kind of get back up. I feel like just being able to keep stumbling through until it clicks was always really valuable and definitely being able to, you know, skate around on anything frozen with my parents was nice too. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause, um, when my kids were tiny, we had a big old pond behind the house and the neighbor, he would, he had a four wheeler with a plow and he would plow almost a full NHL size rink on that pond. Man. And he would bring his ice auger out with a pump and recirculate and flood it. And he always said this before he shoveled his own driveway, which I thought was awesome. Uh, but a good neighbor, we did the same thing. We had the kids little Fisher price chairs from their table set that that's what they held on to is that they learned to skate. And now here they are teenagers and we have our own backyard rink this year and they're just skating around like, you know, it's second nature for them, which is awesome. And that was uh, so clutch this year too, to build all those rinks. I saw even like the parks kept some of them going and people mm-hmm. would just put them up locally. It was really cool. I feel like something to just any way to bring the community together. I saw a lot more backyard rinks this year than I've ever seen before. Usually in our neighborhood, there's two or three this year. There were 10. Yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll see next winter how many come back. And seeing a huge influx of that hockey at home, I've seen, um, you know, companies really reach out to to communities and kids and stuff. I saw some some cool things with Sniper's Edge building mm-hmm. rinks and basements for you know kids who couldn't get out there just to put the the sheets of of synthetic ice in your your basement or living room and stuff. It was cool to see some of the videos of people who you know didn't have access to hop out to a rink or their rink closed, and they said, you know what, I'm just going to build one at home and and kind of do it myself. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said because. My neighbor typically puts the backyard rink up and he, he wasn't going to do it this year because his, both of his kids are in travel hockey and he's like, they're on the ice six or seven nights a week. They, they never use it. You know, do you want it for your yard? I was like, well, I don't want it. Let's just put it up in my yard. He's like, all right, fair enough. Well, then the rinks get shut down and his kids were out there more this year than they probably have been the past yeah. four or five years combined, which was great. You know, it was fun to see them. In fact, uh, 
the one night I looked out there and the neighbor kid and two of his buddies were out there and they were running drills on the backyard. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, that, that that's pretty cool. I, I, I like that you guys aren't just shooting around. You're, you're trying to uh, work on your skills. Right. Yeah. Setting up odd man rushes and, and penalty kills in there. I think that's how, you know, you've missed Pracky when like you're out there just setting it up and yeah. running sprints. Skating Herbie's on your own. <laughs> <laughs> again. Oh, oh me. I, I all right. Yeah. I'm again too. I, I, I don't it. want to coach again. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the meme I saw. Um, coach made me skate laps when I got to practice because I was late. My dad's the coach. He drove me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I think we can all relate to that one on some level at some point in our playing days. Um, so like most Minnesotans, you start skating young on the closest frozen patch of ice you can find. When, when did you fall in love with the position of goaltending and what was it about it that you were just like, yep, this is where I belong. I feel like one of those things that uh, is probably too common a story where people just have it assigned to them as like a an atom or a mini mite, right? And so we sort of had that full goalie rotation coming through and recognized that as it came to me, I was like, ah, oh, I, I I might do that again. Like, is there any way I could get back in the rotation? And the coach is like, yes, please get back in the rotation. Like, we would love to to have you back in there. And it sort of became from something that was um, just sort of mandatory to something that I really kind of took to and enjoyed. And I think I, I saw that story a lot too, when I was um, coaching out in DC, we had sort of a get to try goalie program where e each of the the mites would cycle through and it, whatever kid it was, it was their week. We would set them up with the their loner gear and some of the kids are just like, oh, this is so heavy. I can't skate. I'm falling. And some kids' eyes just lit up as soon as they put the pads on, as soon as they put the gear on. And you could kind of tell, like, all right, this this might be for you. Yeah, I, I remember the cartoon in the old From the Crease um, goalie manuals where the doctor is holding up a little baby in goalie equipment, and he says, congratulations, you've hatched a goalie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we, we kind of are, you're, you're just born. There is no, oh, I fell into it. We're, we're born that way. I think uh, Kaskisuo did a really good announcement when he had his first, just like these tiny little goalie pads right next to it. And you're like, man, that's just so good. The, the heart and soul, I feel like, just keeps sort of getting, getting passed down. Yep. Yeah, I, I like that companies like Brian's and Vaughn and whatnot, they, and CCM, when they're uh, big name goalies, find out they're going to have a baby. They, they send a, a pair out. And I even remember um, uh, Shan Sabat. I always butcher her last name. Sabatos, the Canadian uh, yeah. boy. When, when she was having a baby, Warrior sent her a pair, you know, as well. So it's, it's not just the uh, NHL goalies. It's all the big name goalies, which is fun to see. CCM's been really taking a, a look at their goalie stuff too with their all out campaigns. I feel like just bringing a lot of stuff together. It feels like a, a great time for one big uh, collaborative goalie campaign. Yeah, their, their latest um, video that they put out was just awesome. Uh, you know, where it was kind of a mix of kids, you know, just in, you know, I, I'll, I'll say beer leaguers, but I know that they weren't supposed to be beer leaguers, but they looked like me. So therefore they're beer leaguers. <laughs> um, you know, th that was awesome. Then I don't know if you saw the video that dropped this week on social media, Jordy Oberg from uh, 
the ultimate fan cave did an awesome video of the new uh ccm line i think it was the flex five line he he did a pretty sweet video where it's like oh man <laughs> Makes really me cool. just want to go out and buy a pair even though i haven't even tried them on <laughs> well i'm sure uh seeing what you were wearing last time that you're probably due for a new pair right around now anyway yeah i i've been saving up and i've begun discussions with the rep i'll i'll, I'll leave it at that <laughs> there you go okay no no yeah. spoilers exactly because I'm, I'm pretty sure when when the order goes through um it'll it'll make waves if i get the design i want nice well i hope it goes well (laughs) yeah so you you start playing goalie at a young age um you know how how far did you make it you know did you wind up playing high school hockey did you go beyond high school you know what, what was your hockey journey like yeah um so i went through high school and then up into to college and i played division three and it sort of got to that point where you know, we had guys who were really doing this as a full-time career. There were guys who wanted to go and play pro or semi-pro or, you know, out in the EU somewhere. And it sort of got to that point where I realized that this could either be a playing life or I could pursue a a master's and a marketing career and coaching. And there was sort of got to the point where it was do these 10 things or be a hockey player. Mm -hmm. And I remember this almost breakup with hockey my senior year, it honestly felt like a, a, a split type of thing where I felt like losing something that I, I loved and sort of went through a bit of the grieving process, losing it and sort of redefining who I would be without this part in my life. And of course, I came back to hockey as uh, one might rebound on any serious relationship from time to time. <laughs> but yeah. it, it was a, a tough transition. And I think I was really happy to be able to to chase some of the other parts of my life that, of course, eventually led me to coaching and entrepreneurship and to gain the skills I needed to uh, launch and found the goalie guru, but certainly to leave that playing part of it was a, a big decision. You know, it's funny you say that because a lot of the um, goalies I talk to who are our age that just, they have this passion for the sport, like a kid, uh, we've all gone through the same thing. I think the way you put it, almost that breakup of sorts where you know, the old saying is if you love it, let it go. And if it comes back, it was meant yep. to be. That's kind of how hockey has been for a lot of us. You know, we we didn't totally ignore it, but you know, we maybe went a few years without playing uh or, or whatnot. And all of a sudden it's like, nope, this is what I need. This is what the soul needs. Um, yeah. And I, I think you appreciate it a little bit more when you do take that break and you come back uh re-energized so you, you mentioned playing college hockey where'd you play so i played at northland college okay it's out in uh ashland wisconsin yep definitely a a small school but um big heart and i think that really gave some some awesome opportunities to to bond really well with the the people and the you know the players and the friends i made out there yeah you know having played in the Mayak, you know those minnesota and wisconsin division three schools there's some really good hockey that I, I think people are just unaware of. Uh, and if they could see those games, uh, they'd be impressed with the skill on the ice for those games. Um, even when I played, I mean, now I think to play division three, you almost have to come from the junior ranks. Uh, but when I played, you know, there were a lot of us that came straight from high school because we knew we weren't going to go pro. So it was, let, let's get this education thing out of the way. And, Get, you know, get ready to be adults here. Fair but, enough. But still play some hockey. Um, 
And it was just incredible the the speed and the skill uh, th that first practice I, I remember. And, uh, you know, some of the kids could have gone to Vision One. They, they could have kept going, but uh, it, it's kind of like the idea of do you want to be the fourth line player on a Division One team or do you want to be a top line player on a Division Three team? Sure. Uh, so some of the kids I knew that that was their their thought process there. Um, some of the kids I skated with, you know, won Minnesota high school hockey tournaments and, you know, then, then they're on the ice with me. I'm going, what did I, who did I fool here to be skating with these guys? That's uh, awesome though. And I think so much of it is just like that, you know, embracing it and, and stepping into those tough positions and stuff too. Yeah, abs absolutely. So along the way, obviously there was something with your stick. You noticed uh, you weren't liking um, at, at what point did you start thinking, you know, there's, there's gotta be a better way to hold this stick. And did you tinker with cutting a trigger grip into your stick? Did you tinker with, you know, different taping options along the paddle? I mean, you see some of them, I think Holtby has that giant, uh, piece of tape at the bottom, you know, did, were you doing those kinds of things with your stick back then? Yeah, different prototypes, I feel like, as I was playing, just looking at what worked, what didn't. But it's sort of something that everyone went through to some degree where they're like, there has to be a better way. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I just took it the degree further where it was like, how can I recreate this? How can I, you know, build a better way, not just for me, but as I am eventually, you know, breaking sticks, changing, moving things on. So it started with, you know, taping a little rock onto the paddle and then, sure tried like the dremels and the the you know triggers and everything like that and it seemed like what i ultimately wanted was something that you could have the comfort there right with to put your finger into that groove but also the piece itself gives you that extra face to turn into to press into which is a, even a little more powerful and impactful than just you know putting your finger into a hole Mm -hmm. It allows you to actually get an extra paddle face, sort of the difference between really squeezing a doorknob and getting an extra door handle. You get that torque to send into the yep. corner. But it definitely took me a couple of different prototypes and trying all sorts of things from, you know, tape to rocks to clay. Mm -hmm. And eventually um, when I was out in Southern California, I was able to connect with um, some of the 3D prototyping and rendering folks who work with um, League of Legends, if you've heard of like the eSport and a lot of the stuff they do is uh, it, it was really fantastic. I feel like to take this concept that I sort of had in my head and had built a couple different iterations of to really put it into motion and see that it was something that I could could recreate and could potentially market and and share with some of the kids I was coaching at that time in a, in a larger audience. So is this an idea that was sparked, you know, back while playing college hockey or even earlier, or was this um, something you had been thinking about, you know, once your playing days, what would I consider that the competitive playing days ended and it was just kind of like, you know, there's something I could do better here. I think it was something that I really started implementing later on in my career, but had always sort of had in the, the back of my mind. And I think it, um, in terms of just putting things together, it's, it's hard to say an exact year, right? And I think that um, as I'm looking at when it sort of came into fruition, it, it's, you know, like anything, right? You don't just up and create the car. You got to start somewhere and build little things piece by piece. And that was sort of how it went for me looking at a couple different iterations. And even, you know, even now the V2 Pro with the, the treads it has is kind of 
different than the original flat version. Yep. And I think one of the things that maybe uh, the original that you tried first, I think, was the the flat full one. And yep. so now with the treads, it gives some better adhesion. And I think, uh, yeah, it's continuing to move forward. Yeah, I remember I was playing at the inaugural um, Soda Sick Hockey Classic, and we had just played Team Arsenal. And Andy Oman, who's uh, going to be a guest in a few weeks, he um, uh, handed me one saying, here you go. And I was like, what, what's this? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, th this looks really cool. Because at the time, I was considering cutting into my stick and creating a trigger grip because I, I have the issue of going down and almost getting blood blisters because I pinched that paddle you know, right on my finger between yep. the paddle and the ice. I'm like, there, there's a better way because I almost wrap that finger around without the trigger grip. And I was like, I don't know if I want to cut into my stick knowing me, I'll probably do it wrong. And then, okay, if I get it right on this stick, who's to say the next one, I'm not going to be able to replicate that. So that's what right. about this product is, you know, from stick to stick, you can, you know, easily put it in the exact same spot but at the same time, if you're cheap like me, you could take it off of the old stick. I don't recommend it. It's cheap enough. Just buy a new one. <laughs> you know? sure. Definitely my recommendation. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I love that it, it's um, that versatile. But at the same time, you know, I might put it in a slightly different spot or angle than you will. So it's, it's a little more customizable, too, because of that. Um, which is really cool. And that was definitely something I picked up uh, from my kids when I was a goalie coach for, you know, for years after I finished skating myself was just seeing how people actually used it, trying out different prototypes, seeing what the sort of orientation might be. And so now when the directions come with the package, it sort of has these, these couple different flips where you might have it one way, you might have it different. Obviously it depends if you're righty, if you're lefty, if you're, you know, big, short, small, anything like that. It's sort of a one size fits all based on how you flip it. Yeah. And, and it's going to fit a senior stick as well as it's going to fit a youth stick too, which is nice. Um, you know, the, the one thing I, I don't know why I did it, but before I attach it to my stick, you know, I had my hand on there. I was like, I think I like it here, but something in my head just said, put your blocker on and then yeah. see if you like it there. And I'm glad I did because I wound up moving it just a little bit than where I thought I wanted it because I wasn't taking into account the heft of the material on the blocker, you know, around my finger. So uh, if anybody's listening and considering it, that's my piece of advice. Try it with your blocker on before you glue it on. Oh, that's such good advice, Joe. And even like some of the, the, the bulkier blockers with the big sidewalls now too, I found that the way I set it up is just with this orientation up against my finger, but with some of the other ones where you have like these big, heavy extra protection, people are actually flipping it this way. So it holds um, with the sort of leaner, smaller side facing against or facing towards the blade. Yeah. That way it gives uh, just a little bit less slope and allows you to really uh, load up yep. a little quicker on the poke check and with a little less um, inhibition if you have if you do have one of those chunkier blockers yeah and, and i remember when we uh skated last time together over at the blake arena good goalies that we were we both got there about an hour before the skate and we were talking yeah. and, and you know i had shared that i had troubles keeping the the first generation went on that didn't have the extra treads to make it adhere better but uh, you even recommended taking a little bit of sandpaper and you know sanding it down and 
I learned from my wife many years ago, you know, when girls get new high heels, they'll scuff them up a little bit. So they have a little more grab and it was kind of the same okay. idea, <laughs> you know, sand that, um, sand that spot you're going to glue it to a little bit. So it gets a little more grab and sure enough, I did that and, you know, haven't had a problem with it since. Um, and, and that's what the first generation one. And now it, um, the, the treads really help with that a little bit, but it's still, uh, it, maybe it depends on the high heel, right? So the yeah. ones that I have, if you have like, um, a, a composite stick or something with like a rubber or silicon coating, yeah. I find that just like cleaning the surface of it and really getting that nice and clean is sufficient. Mm -hmm. But if you do have, like you said, one of the, the an, even an older stick or something with a, a dense paint on the cover, then it really does help to, to give it a full sand because sometimes the, the glue, right? It can just stick to that paint. Yep. Yeah. And I'm using a foam core warrior. So that, that was the issue is that that almost gloss that they put on there, it was so smooth that the paint wasn't really stick or the, uh, glue wasn't sticking so well, but once I scuffed it up a little bit, it held so much better, um, which was nice. So you come up with this concept and you're coaching. So it's easy to give, give it to these kids and say, Hey, try it out. Let me know what you think. Yeah. What, uh, once you had that proof of concept and knew what, what you had, how were you able to convince other goalies who you weren't coaching to try this product out? One of the things that is just sort of word of mouth advertising, right? Once it starts to really get these prototypes out, I got to a point where I had a, a really clean rubber prototype. And I said, this, this is something that could move. This is something we're past sort of a clay and rocks now. I think that uh, this might be something to get out there. And I did um, a print of, I think it was 40 of them and took them to a, a hockey camp with one of the junior ducks associates. And then with uh, Goalie Nation out of Southern California. Mm -hmm. And I just, I didn't have enough of them. Immediately <laughs> got through all of them. And I think one of the big things is with, you know, the highest level, oldest elite goalies, like anything, you've been doing something for years and years and years. So yeah. you might try anything, right? This shoe will make you jump higher. This golf club will make you drive further. This mm -hmm. tennis racket will make you get all aces, whatever it is people are hesitant because you've been doing something for so long and it's not, it's not instant. It's right. like any new gear. You have to break in your skates. You have to, you know, break in your leg pads. Even if you could drive further with a golf club, it'll take you a couple of swings. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for the, at the oldest level, I was finding that people looked at it, but it didn't immediately click. They, they said, all right, yes, but this isn't the same thing I've been doing for 20 years and I'm kind of scared of it. And for people who gave it a full practice or a full, you know, week, they eventually found it. But at the youngest level, it was love at first sight. Like the kids who put it in their hand, the kids who grabbed the stick immediately were like, this fixes all my problems. This helps yep. me from dropping the stick. This, you know, keeps it in my hand. This sort of immediately clicks. And especially um, when I was in California, a lot of the kids that I was coaching were at that, you know, might squirt peewee level anyway and so i was finding that that was really the place that i could make the biggest impact and while it would be great to you know put it on every nhler stick you know goalies can be a little set in our ways we can be a little superstitious yep so it's uh it's just a much easier um conversation and i think that it was also something that 
was able to see a bigger difference, was able to make a bigger impact in the community as I was doing, you know, some of the, the, you know, different camps and clinics and things like that. People would come in and all of a sudden to have this, this piece that just immediately feels comfortable is almost like a, a coach in your ear, just being like, yep, you're holding the stick, right? That yeah. that's correct. Yeah. And, and I can definitely see for the younger kid too. Um, it just helps them keep that finger in the right spot, which I, I remember being a young goalie where it's like, should I have it here? Should I have it here? You know, right. It, it's almost a reminder of this is where the finger goes. And it's nice too, especially it's, I think it's really easy to sort of feel uh, a little bit distant as a goalie, right? All everyone else gets to come back to the bench every couple, you know, 30 seconds or two yep. minutes or, or three minutes if you're really dogging it out there. But the, the goal is that you're just sitting, right? So you don't get that, that instant feedback. You don't get to hop over to the bench and have the coach say, hey, have you considered holding your stick with one finger over the paddle? Like I told you a hundred times before, <laughs> you, you just, you know, you're out in, in your zone. And yep. so I think to have that piece there is, is really comforting for a lot of kids too, to sort of have that constant muscle memory, to have that constant reminder that, you know, whatever else is going on, you're doing this correctly and perfectly well. Yeah, exactly. So I know the past few years you've had your booth at the uh, Let's Play Hockey Expo. And it seems like every time I come by, people are at the, the booth. And what I love about it is it's a no frills booth. It's not like the Howie's booth where there's games and stuff to draw people in, but nobody's actually looking at the tape. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you are there, you have your sign, you have your stick, and you have the product out there. Yet people are still stopping going, what is this? And then once they start seeing it, you kind of see the spark in their eyes. Like, all right, I, I get it. What, what kind of um, feedback, you know, have you gotten at the Let's Play Hockey Expo? It's been tremendous. And I mean, um, Brian and the crew over there just do a fantastic job. It's mm -hmm. been one of the highlights of the year every time I've gotten to get over there. And obviously, you know, just the environment with the, the tournament going on and everything is just a, a ton of energy. So it's definitely something that, I, that I'm always looking forward to. And I think that when, when I'm there too, because it is still fairly, fairly new, it's something that always gets a, a lot of hype and people have, haven't really seen anything like this. You know, there's nothing that exists like this on the market right now. And so all of a sudden for even at the highest level, once people put it in the hand, they're like, oh, this, this, <laughs> this is what I've been looking for for yeah. years. And so I think it's, it's tricky though to... Um, to recreate that sort of experience uh, in the digital space outside of the, you know, the expos, the events, the camps. Yeah. Yeah. Th th that's a great point. I guess I hadn't thought of because it really is one of those products. Once you get it in your hand, you go, okay, yeah, I get it. Um, you know, and the price point is one where it's like, Hey, here's a couple bucks. I'm, I'm going to try this thing out. And even if I don't like it, Hey, <laughs> it, it wasn't, um, wasn't like trying out a new composite stick that you find out you don't like for 300 bucks. Um, sure. Uh, and at the same time, you, you get the nice uh, neon green bracelet to go with it, to hold the, to hold it on while it, the glue sets. Um, one of the things I've been wondering is, you know, clearly the kids get it and they, they seem to be adapting really well. What's the older crowd been like, the beer leaguers? Have they kind of come by going, I get it, but I'm stuck in my ways? Or have you seen a pretty good response from the beer league crowd going, yeah, I'm going to try this thing out? Yeah, I've seen a couple people pick it up. And definitely uh, 
enjoyed, especially for those who are kind of on the newer end of their career, people who maybe picked up goalie a little later on in life is just, again, that that nice training device. One of the other things I get a lot at the higher levels is the, the paddle shock absorption, where I know we've all been there early mornings, especially when I was a kid, we would have like those 5.30, 6 a.m. practices. Like you're still kind of asleep. You haven't really woken up yet. And someone just rips a clapper off your paddle. And that shock just, just rips through your palm. You know what I mean? Those yep. vibrations first thing in the morning too. And so it's like, it's not going to eat all of those, but the dense rubber polymer does absorb a lot of that shock and it, you, you really do feel it a lot less. And that's something that I find, especially um, for myself when I was playing at a high level made a difference between, um, for example, a rock prototype and this 65 shore hardness urethane composite where I'm like, ah, oh, this yeah. is much better. I, I think we should go with a rubber polymer instead of rocks from now yeah. on. Instead of a piece of granite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, note to self, we're making progress. Yes. Ha have you had any, you know, high-end elite goalies try it out and become adapters? Definitely. Um, Hunter Misko was using it and gave it a try and went through a summer. It had been with uh, Travis, who's a, uh, you know, Trav for Oilers, if you're yeah. following him. And a couple people have uh, used it on and off. I have it with a, a tender at, at St. Thomas now too, and kind of passing around through the leagues. That's One awesome. of the things that I'm, I'm seeing is that a big part of it is just making sure that it's installed correctly for your stick, for your grip, for your preferences. And so one of the things that's tricky is for me to um, pitch it as a new idea to someone who's, you know, miles and miles away and then try to help them set it up exactly right. So I feel like one of the things that I need to do is maybe create easier directions or installation or a, a way to uh, help drive some of those conversations with the, the elite athletes a little. Yeah, some YouTube videos with QR codes on your uh, directions. Yeah, that's a good idea. We have that, uh, the one YouTube video I have, uh, an intern this year who's been doing a lot of our, our TikTok and, and Instagram stuff. So we're getting the content out there for sure. Yep. But it's, there's That's only cool so far. <laughs> Same. I was like, I, I will hire an intern for this. That's perfect. Yes. Yeah. The, the kids in their TikTok, I, I don't get it, but it seems to resonate with them. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So um, I asked this question wearing my new goalie gear nerd t-shirt. If you're tinkering with the grip of your stick, that can't be the only thing you tinkered with, with your equipment. What other things did you try modifying or, you know, changing up for different reasons? My hair game. I feel <laughs> like I always had like longer hair and would try like a bandana or a sweatband or, you know, a ponytail or this or that. And then I would try to we like get something set up in the helmet that would be i remember having you know a couple shifts where whatever was like in front of my eyes and i'm just sort of sensing where the puck might be so i feel like i was always adjusting helmet things and headband things and then eventually trying to find a, a good way to sort of see and also be you know able to to grow some sweet hockey flow yeah. as one needs to from from every time to time it's funny you say that because one of my early uh, episodes with Kelly Rudy, you know, I asked him about his iconic blue bandana and he started <laughs> laughing and he said kind of the same thing. His hair, he had that great hockey hair. Um, 
and he was trying to find the right thing to keep it out of his face. And he, the one day he just took those old iconic blue, uh, undershirts that hockey players used to wear, just ripped the sleeve off and wrapped it around his head. And he's like, it was perfect. Yeah. Done. (laughs) And then, uh, he said later on, you know, by the time he got to San Jose, he didn't quite need the bandana anymore and didn't like it, but it was part of his look that he had to keep it. (laughs) It was in his contract and like, yeah. and we'll continue to wear your bandana. Yeah, it's like, will they know it's me and Matt if I don't have the bandana? So that that that's funny that uh, of all the other things to tinker with was because of uh, the hair game. Uh, I don't have to worry about that as much anymore. I, I don't have the hair I used to. <laughs> it happens to the best of us for sure. Yeah. Uh, what did you tinker with as a, as you were coming up through the ranks? You know, that that's, I didn't tinker with much. Um it was really just the the taping on my stick. I, I remember seeing uh, a picture of Eddie Belfour's stick once, and he had the grip taped uh, where the paddle meets the shaft. And so I tried that the one time, and I loved it. To, to me, at that age, that gave me more of that grip. With And now that I have that with the uh, goalie guru, it's, you know, I have no excuses for not having control <laughs> of my stick in all honesty. Uh, th- there was probably that, you know, the, the size of the knob on my stick at one point, I was kind of like Braden Holpe using a whole roll. Now yep. it's not quite a, maybe a quarter of a roll, uh, which was interesting. I, I switched to a butt ends grip when I bought my last stick and I, I went with the goalie grip and the knob for that goalie grip is the exact same size as I was taping. I was like, well, this is nice. some time. Um, it's just good user research right there they got the exact knob right yeah you know i'm trying to think of other things you know gloves and pads i always just went stock um my mask i I was always drawing what i wanted to have painted on there but never got done uh but again that that was just uh hey that this is how it came this is how i'm wearing it (laughs) yeah i was one of those guys uh it wasn't until i got to college and saw some of the modifications some of my teammates were doing um, the, the one I still use today is the skate lace through the um, uh, chest protector to hold it tight to, you know, the, the belly and then uh, attach it to yeah. the breezers. Uh, that, that's probably been the biggest one. And, that you know, I, I was playing college when they were still selling pads with toe buckles on them. Uh, so that was kind of at the advent of replacing the toe buckle with skate laces. In fact, the pads I still wear came with the toe buckle and I got the screwdriver out, took the toe buckles off and uh, I replaced it with the skate lace that's still there today. Uh, nice. so th- th- there was some of those early modifications that uh, it's funny kids there are like, what do you mean toe buckle? What, what right. did you do with that? There, there's not even a strap on my pad and you had three going under your skate. <laughs> yeah, that were all difficult to put on and assemble at the last minute. Especially that toe buckle, because, you know, it's just this little piece of leather that you got to wrap all the way around that, you know, little hole on the front of the blade and try and get it. It was like, <laughs> sure. The, the skate lace was such an easier move. And I, I haven't tried the bungee straps yet, but eventually I will. Yeah, uh, it seems like a good solve. Yeah. One of the later things I tinkered with, actually, I had always sort of as a hockey bucket list side, I wanted to paint my own helmet. And it wasn't until after I graduated and, and finished um, my college career 
that I actually painted the helmet I used. And so if you look in like any of the Instagram posts and it has that gold potvin helmet, yeah. that was a, it was a navy blue helmet I played with that I sanded down and then cleaned and then put in all that whole design hand drawn with like um, some airbrush and some stencils. And then I put on this high velocity clear coat on top of it that I, I, so I was really happy with it. And it, it came out really well, but you still see little areas where, you know, I should have sanded it more or done this or that or taken it to a professional maybe. You know, but the difference is if I look at that mask and I, I remember seeing it when we skated together, if I look at it, I'm not gonna see those imperfections. But because you did the mask, you're going to see them. It's just how all the home projects <laughs> I've done in the house. It's like, yeah, I want to sell because every time I walk around, I see these imperfections. But the next homeowner is going to walk through and not even notice them. <laughs> you know, right. so, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned painting your own mask because you, you mentioned Hunter Miska a little bit earlier. His dad's the famed goalie mask painter. And it was, I just saw my Facebook uh, memories as 10 years ago that I, I went and interviewed him for an angle magazine. That's uh, awesome. Article. Uh, th that was really fun to go to his shop and kind of see the process and some of the masks, you know, in, in process, having been a fan of his work for years. Um, so you've got this awesome little uh, hustle going with the, the goalie guru for sticks. Uh, what do you do away from hockey to kind of find that, uh, that inner peace? But like, like, your, like your logo, <laughs> you know, find your zen. <laughs> For sure. So it definitely uh, really resonates with me. I think um, Justin from the Goalie Guild mentions in one of his books, just the, you know, martial arts as a center for peace of mind. And that's certainly something that I found after I, I left hockey to get into martial arts. And I've trained in, you know, Kung Fu, Lao Kun Do, Tai Chi, and, and just a couple different styles and systems. And I think that's sort of what, brings together in a lot of ways the peace of mind, body, and soul for me, where I can continue to stay athletic and focused. And then certainly uh, outside of that, just staying on on task mentally and, you know, keeping busy. I, I might have to take up uh, martial arts then because I cannot stay focused. I, I have your <laughs> typical goalie ADD brain. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, sitting in the crease, there's just so many things going on. It's It's easy to get pretty distracted. You know, it's funny because I was talking to a Bantam goalie for last week's episode and, you know, he's talking about he has ADD and I said, you know, I think most goalies do, but there's just something about you put us in that crease. We can focus on that puck for 60 minutes, no problem. But as soon as that whistle blows, you know, and there's that little bit of downtime, we're all over the place, you know, how, yeah. <laughs> how many videos do you see of goalies dancing to the music between plays? You know, for that sure. could be any one of us. Um, if, YouTube or just social media was around and during my high school playing days, there'd be video of me dancing to the organ music, especially during Christmas time when they play Christmas carols. <laughs> the, uh, your intro, it got me actually, I remember the, the Hartford Whalers coming out to Brass Bonanza or yes. the, yeah. So that is a slice of my childhood for sure. I fell in love with Brass Bonanza during, uh, the hockey lockout when they lost the whole season because John Butchergrass would play the brass he had a show on espn radio at the time and he would end every show with brass bonanza until <laughs> the league came back and it was like just something about hearing it every day on my drive home made me fall in love with it yeah so catchy <laughs> yeah I, I 
I wish uh, Carolina would bring that back for their goal song. They came out, they had a Whalers jersey for a, a couple games. It seemed like the, the heritage yeah. against uh, the Bruins. But yeah, no, no tunes, though. Yeah, I, I was, uh, my folks live in North Carolina, so I, I was out there um, over spring break, and I remember they were wearing the reverse retro, which was the Whalers jersey. And I think they did play it, but only when they wear the Whalers jersey. So, you know. Well, if, if you've listened to any of the podcasts, you know I like to close it out with a list of rapid-fire questions, and I try getting them sooner than later because for a while I was talking for about 55 minutes and then getting to them and finding <laughs> out that they took longer than five minutes to get through. <laughs> so the, the first question is, what's the craziest coaching moment from your days in hockey? I used to say from your playing days, but I mean – now, you know, guys like yourself and myself, you know, we, we've uh, been coaching as well and <laughs> we, we've had our own moments. Yeah. As, as a player or as a coach. Yeah. It could be either one. Definitely. One of the things I'll always remember is uh, as a, a player, we had to run the, this event, it was the 2130 and we had, um, 21 minutes and 30 seconds to run 3.3 miles. It was part of like what we had to do as training and we had to run it Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday until we completed it until we did it in time. And then if you didn't, you got Thursday off and then we had games Friday and Saturday, you took Sunday off and then you had to start it again and do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday until you did it. Was and then college? this was in college and there were some, you know, kids who were just like, you know, the bigger power guys on the team who like, they just weren't going to do it. And so we had the guys who were struggling through. And I remember it was just like this devastating thing that everyone had to go through. And when we came back from Thanksgiving break, our coach still made, made us restart it. So the guys who had finished it, who had not, who had checked it off, reset and had to do it again. And I remember thinking of that Monday, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to run this a second time. It was in Wisconsin. So there was snow and ice on the ground. Yep. Everyone's coming back rusty from Thanksgiving break. And I said, I'm not running this a second time, no matter what. And usually I remember like getting to the end of a, a race or an obstacle. I remember thinking, you know what I mean? You always have that 10% left. And yep. I just at the end, when it was time to sprint, I was like, I have absolutely nothing left. I am going to pass out. I feel absolutely terrible. And I remember just um, my dad, when he was coaching when I was little, saying, you always give 110%. You know what I mean? As everyone yeah. does. And for, for no logical reason, I was like, wait a second. I have this 10 imaginary percent left. <laughs> and so, so whatever it was, found that, that extra bonus 10 and made it through and just like passed in the snow, laid down for a good minute or so until I caught up. And uh, the next, the next day there was one more run. And then by Wednesday, the coach said, you know, this is, this is unsafe. No one should have to run this in these conditions. And it was just me. And I think four or five other people who, who made it after Thanksgiving, but I, I was happy that I, I stomped through it and really kind of, you know, dug into something that was way, way down at the same time. I really also think that that was a terrible coaching move to have us do yeah. that again. And I think that as much as we have great leaders, we also learn a lot from our really terrible ones. And that was just one of the, I think, 
moments that I really remember that coach doing a, a pretty bad job. Well, I, I remember at that time too, you know, for whatever reason, this idea that uh, running a mile in under six minutes was big in the hockey world for a long time. Um, I've heard a bunch of guys, talk, even at the NHL level, talk about it. Um, in I think Brett Hall was on the uh, Cam and Strickland podcast talking about their fitness testing and the way he was like, no, I, I, I'm a hockey player, not a runner. Um, but we, we had that same thing in college where we had to run that mile in under six minutes every year, October 1st. To this day, I still have a little PTSD on October 1st. <laughs> that freshman year, I ran it and I just went all out. And we ran it on the indoor track, which was nice because we didn't have to worry about weather. But still, the indoor track versus outdoor is like eight times around. So it's just like you're in your head, like, am I in the sixth lap? I am seventh lap? I don't know. Yeah. Um, they had people counting for us, which was nice, but I'm going all out. I finished it in like 515 my freshman year and collapsed at the finish line. I'm like, well, yeah. You know, I, I had teammates that year, good hockey players, but you could not play a game until you ran your six minute mile. The the one goalie, it was almost halfway through the year that he couldn't, you know, you know that he finally got it. And I was talking to him recently and he's like, yeah, did you realize we had to try that every single day before dry land practice until we got it? I was like, I didn't realize that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just it's like, brutally disheartening. Yeah, and, you know, like one of the kids was coming back from injury. So, you know, he could do it on the – we had an equivalent on the bike if he had like a knee injury or something. But still, the guys that did it both ways over the course of the year, they're like, trust me, if you're hurt, try running it because the bike is a lot harder. But uh, I learned after freshman year that they try putting somebody who's ran track in each group so they can kind of use them to um, – Nice. Pace. <laughs> a benchmark. You know, k- kind of pace you. So I, I knew that. And I was in the same, because of, it went alphabetically, I was in the uh, group with a teammate by the name of uh, Scott Becker, who's no longer with us. And he paced it out at 559 every year after that. So the first year I did it at 559, next three years, 559. I had one second to spare. You know, and there I'm you go. coming around the corner. I hear the coaches calling out the time, like, I'm good. I'm right next to Scotty. I'm good. <laughs> it's good teammates right there, whether they're yeah on the hockey team or track or. Yeah, it, it was it was funny. That, you know, after the third year, the, the goalie coach he's like, "You found you know we said you got to do it in this. You, you came in under, but you, you did it like that much every time." <laughs> he's like, "I I, I get uh, I get what you're doing there." <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Yeah, it's like hey. You guys just said I had to finish in under six minutes. You didn't say that, you know, whoever finishes best amongst the goalie gets the most playing time. You know, it's like, no, sure. I'm, I'm doing what I have to, and I'm going to focus on stopping pucks from there on out that, cause that's what I'm here to do. Um, so the next question, I think I know the answer based on how you painted your mask, but what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Yeah. Poppin's got to be right up there. I feel like he really just set the, a culture really like it's just this iconic mask that whether you grew up in that era or not Mm -hmm. even like I've seen kids today who have a mask like that and it's just sort of something that really sets a tone and I think brings back such a a powerful image and and seeing him play you saw like you know those cohos that he would have too like just his style was was so good yeah yeah um I, I 
I don't remember if I read it or heard it, but uh, it's believed that that's the most replicated mask design. Uh, that could be. Yeah, which being a Blackhawks fan growing up, I hated Potvin and that mask because they were in the same division and they were Blackhawk killers at the time. Uh, but as I've grown older and wiser, I now really appreciate him and his mask. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I think it's easy to have those those rivals. For some reason, I, I always hated Ron Hextall. Yeah. I think you would just see him like do dirty slashes and other things like that. And you're like, man, that's making it harder for everyone everywhere. But yeah, you know, I, I gained a little more respect for uh, Potvin too, reading the first issue of Vintage Gold or yeah, Vintage Tendy Magazine. Uh, because half of the magazine is dedicated to him and his backstory and everything is like, all right, I like him even a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Ooh, that's a tough question. It, it, it's almost like a, what's the best ice cream place, right? Where you're not, you're not really eating that ice cream. You're sort of eating the memory of it, right? Yes. So I feel like I've played at, you know, Lake Placid and been in Olympic stadiums. But for me, a, a favorite might be out in uh, Victoria it, around, uh, you know, British Columbia, way out there, sort of in a, 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 that hockey camp mentality where you're there with like all of your, your friends you made over the summer and you're skating your heart out, but then you still have like the fun tournament moments and stuff. And so I still can sort of picture that rink as one that, that stands out as, uh, an emotional favorite. Yeah, it's funny you put it that way because when I think of you know my favorite rinks, it's got to be the rink I you know basically started skating at and played my high school hockey at, and then my college rink for the, for the reasons mentioned. And it has nothing to do with the ice; it's more the locker room and the antics right. that happened there. And you know, what, what kind of uh, food and beverages the concession stand had, and you know, you can almost go close your eyes and smell that arena. Um, for those reasons. I think the parks tick a lot of those boxes too. I live close enough to, yep. you know, Bryant square and they put out the boards and the nets and everything and the lights and just like, you know, skating around and, and playing a quick game of pickup in the yep. park. Is, that it is really the, the heart and soul of a lot of hockey players. And so it's awesome to see, you know, just Minneapolis and, and the twin cities put up that stuff every year and maintain it throughout the, the year too. Yeah, well, and I love, you know, some of the um, communities, too. Like, my kids are in the Matamidi School District, and Matamidi keeps up their two outdoor rinks. They just leave the boards and everything up year-round, and they just mow down the grass before the Damn. snow flies, and then they they flood it, and they have the warming house. And it's fun because there's a baseball field right there, so when we're there, baseball season, you look over and you see the boards, and, you know. <laughs> As I'm sitting I there in see. the summer watching practice, I'm pining to be on the ice over there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So what is your favorite uh, goalie stick that you've used? Hmm. This one I'm really enjoying, this uh, Bauer Supreme. I've used uh, Warriors in the past, but I feel like I, I haven't fallen in love with one stick or another yet. Maybe it'll come down to... Uh, if a manufacturer scoops up a licensure deal with me or something, <laughs> if, uh, if anyone's out there. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I like that. Um, uh, so the, the next question, what is your favorite youth hockey memory? And it, it kind of builds off of, you know, your feelings about your favorite rink. What's your favorite youth hockey memory? 
Definitely some uh, probably tournament wins or even uh, maybe a, a youth hockey memory too might even be driving a, a Zamboni as a coach. It's sort of looking at youth hockey from the other direction though, yeah. where um, when I was a kid, I, was, I always loved the Zamboni. And so one of the things I got to do at a, a role when I was out in DC is um, could, could drive the Zamboni when I wasn't on. So got sort of trained on how to do that. And every Saturday before we would start like the learn to play goalie, I would do the first lap before I drop the blade and start the auger and just do like a round of high fives with all the kids <laughs> who are about to come out there. And it was like a preemptive victory lap. And then I, I then I couldn't mess up cutting it because, oh, no. you know, you already take that victory lap. You got to do it proper, which is uh, sometimes easier said than done with some of those big Zamboni or the Olympia machines. But it's yeah. really cool in a way it almost like a, checked like a childhood hockey dream of mine to you know grow up and drive a zamboni yeah. for a little bit but it, and, it was a lot of fun how satisfying when you get done cutting ice and you just before you close those zamboni doors after you've shoveled the slush off you, you almost have to stand back for a second and look at it and admire your work like a fresh painting type of thing you're like man i made that yeah awesome yeah I w when i was in college i drove the zamboni between our practices and the women's team getting on. So when, you know, wind sprint started at the end of practice, the coach told you know, <laughs> I I me the heave ho so that I could go, <laughs> you know, I had to take my pads off with all 37 leather buckles in my skates. And then I'm out there in my breezers and my chest protector driving the Zamboni. And uh, there was some pressure there when you have your teammates and then the women's team watching you. Yeah. You, you leave that little strip of, uh, uh snow or a little too much water behind the nets they're, they're gonna let you know i'm sure the chirps must have been relentless oh, yeah yeah it was uh something else to say the least but i, <laughs> I loved driving the zamboni um it, it was a pretty darn good college job for me um <laughs> uh, yeah uh, so you, you talk about chirps. That's the next question. What's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you, from you? <laughs> yeah, the best one came. Uh, I got to play some pond hockey New Year's Day, which was so much fun just to get out and had a, you know, a decent group out there. And I, I feel like this was a fantastic chirp because someone was skating down and, you know, they tried to do a little deke. And, and I think the professional term is a, a whoops a dangle. And so the uh, some guy yelled and he's like, oh, for cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man, you, you never think of that as a as a Minnesota chirp, but it, it yeah. landed so hard and just yes. just roasted him. Yeah, that, that's the perfect one right there. I like that. So uh, what's your worst post game beer? Man. It's got to be uh, something from a local. I, I feel like there's a point where you want to try something a little classier, right? You go with like a darker IPA. Yeah. And I feel like I've had um, Fair State before. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I, I want to like it. And I, I just can't. You know, like, uh, you need something much, much lighter at that point. That Yeah, it's funny. After hockey, it's almost like the cheaper light beers are the perfect post-game beer. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a bit of a beer snob. I, I like my stouts and porters and a good double IPA and all that. But after a game, a Coors Light or a Mick Golden Light, that, that's going to quench me. Perfect. I've I seen Labatt is good in there too. I yeah. like just a, a good can of Labatt after a game. 
Yeah, you know, as as a beer snob and a home brewer, I, I think some of it is, um, you know, we say those cheap beers are kind of like water. And I, I think that's why they're good after a game. It's just, it's refreshing. Sure. <laughs> um, so when you tape your sick, do you go heel the toe or toe to heel? I go uh, heel the toe. Okay. I had to look at it for a second. I was like, is that? Yeah, heel the toe. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few goalies out there that are, uh, is uh, one recent goalie, termed it psychopaths and go toe to heel, but uh, we won't hold it against them. I, I always, I ask that question because when they do go toe to heel, I want to know why, um, you know. Yeah, where do you learn that? Yeah. Connor Beaupre was the only one that really had a good thought out answers because he's phenomenal at playing the puck and to him, the puck just comes off the tape better. He feels like if he goes heel the toe, it slows the puck down, throws him off. It's like, all right, I'm going to trust you because I've never had that kind of skill to worry about my tape impacting my puck play. <laughs> That's the ultimate reason. It's like, if you don't do this, you're just, you're not good enough to, to need it type of thing. And you're yeah, like, well, exactly. can I dispute that? I don't know. Exactly. What's your favorite number to wear and why? So I started as a, as defense, you know, and I think uh, I wanted to be four like Bobby Orr. And then yep. one year we didn't have four. And so I went with two. Where it's like, all right, it was half Bobby Orr. And then even when I switched to goalie, I really kept two. And so in the teams where I was able to, they were like, yeah, that's not a goalie number, but you know, you do you, that's fine. So I was yep. really happy rocking that for many, many years. And um, one of the big things I think too, is it's, uh, you know, nice to kind of jump outside the box a little bit. It's easy to be like, oh, you know, goalies, this, that, or the other. But so it was good to just have a, an unconventional number throughout uh you know, good couple of years playing. Yeah. You're starting to see more goalies with unconventional numbers and previous goalie I had on, he's playing at the high school level. He, he wears number three. Cause that was just kind of like the, the family number. And it's like, yeah. all right, definitely not a uh, goalie number. And, uh, but you own it, you know? Uh, and I think that's cool to, to expand things a little bit more to see, you know, other numbers, other voices, other, you know, it, um, different experiences and just to kind of open things up a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I remember when Dominic Hasek was wearing 39 and people are like, that's not a goalie number. Although we still had Ron Hexall wearing 27, like that was okay. But 39 was, you know, that's where the line is. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay. So you, you but Hexall again, it, it fit him because he, he was a goalie that liked to play the puck, scored goals. So it's like, yeah, you, you should have a goal scorer's number. <laughs> And you know he taped toe to heel too. He was just a madman. I'm surprised he even taped his stick. You know, <laughs> if, if anything, he was probably putting rocks into his tape for when he slashed people with it. Just such a <laughs> lunatic. Yeah, but uh, the more I hear about him, like he is a lunatic on the ice, but um, completely different off the ice. And you know, his teammates loved him, and they loved him for a reason. You know, so. Yeah, he, he's an interesting fellow, that's for sure. And so many different things, too, come into, you know, the the personality and how you play and what your team needs versus, like, you know, what you need outside or what your family needs. It's I, I think going back to your comment, too, looking for, like, that that well-rounded balance of mind, body, and soul, it's yeah. sort of there's there's on the ice, there's off the ice, and then there's sort of the, the physical and mental aspects to, to balance as well. Yeah, I, you know, you, you talk about that, and I think of a guy like John Scott, you know, heck of a hockey enforcer, but off the ice, he's a devout Catholic father of six girls, you know, probably a pacifist nonetheless, but on the <laughs> ice, like 
guys didn't want to go up against him. They didn't want to fight him because they knew he would, you know, do a number on him. He, he just, he found that balance. Or maybe just get it all out of the way off the ice. And then you're like, all right, I have no anger left. It's all yep. been used up. Yep. He gets into a fight, knows he's got to go to mass on Sunday and, you know, repent for his sin of <laughs> beating the snot out of somebody. <laughs> it's good planning. It's yeah. Like, all right, I got my schedule set up. I'm all yep. set. Exactly. So last question, what advice do you have for young goaltenders other than to buy a goalie guru? Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think just to to keep doing you is definitely one of the things we're talking about with the customizations and, you know, the changes and the, the numbers, whether you see something that someone else is doing and you want to make your own tweak on it, or you see something that no one's doing and you want to be a, a creative individual and find your own way to do it. I think that, you know, no one's going to be able to to have that style the same way you do and definitely just keep working toward that being the, the you, you that you can be and find your own style rather than, you know, having it, it dictated to you, I think will go far. I, I like that. And I think that's important in this day and age of goaltending where it feels like you can go to a goalie clinic and every goalie looks the same, their stance, their movement and everything else. And it's okay to be the non-conventional goalie, you know, sure. if that's what works for you do it. Uh, because we see a lot of non-conventional goalies in the NHL, a guy like Fleury or Kudobin, you know, they're just, they're doing what works for them and they don't care what other people think. And especially with like different, um, you know, styles and body types and levels of athleticism, right. The same way you wouldn't have Hashik teaching, you know, Van Beesbrook or, uh, quick or anything like that like you got just completely completely different sizes and dimensions and it's sort of good to take a little advice from everywhere a little piece of you know what coach a coach b and coach c thinks and then form it in with you know an infusion of your own style and and make it work for you absolutely absolutely so where can folks find you online if they want to learn more about uh the goalie guru get goalieguru.com and we've got the, the original and the V2 Pro up there and really uh, shifting into the V2 this year. And obviously on, you know, Instagram and, and now on TikTok as well. <laughs> are, are you on TikTok doing any of the uh, fun dances? Not yet. Maybe that's uh, coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, but, but yeah. don't quote me on that. Well, once you reach so many sales, you'll do a TikTok dance. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, let's get a. Uh, a hundred out this weekend. Yeah, and- absolutely. I, I think that that should be the goal. If, if you can get a hundred sales this weekend, you'll do a TikTok dance. <laughs> should we do a, a discount for you or something, Joe? Put together like a... Hey, it's it's up to you. I, I'm down with that. Yeah, let's do it. We'll uh, follow up. I'll send something over your way and we'll put together a, a, a little discount to scoop up some, some goalie gurus for us here. Yeah, and... and- Maybe if we get enough of them, we'll get Corey to do some, some fun dances. Um, <laughs> whatever's yeah. Whatever's hot on TikTok. Yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to I'll put it in the show notes after we figure out what that is. And uh, hopefully, hopefully listeners jump at it. Uh, it's, it's worth it. Like you said, I, I've used it for a while and um, you know, I, I almost can't think of playing without it now. Uh, so there there's that too. So it's, it's been really cool to, to see it take off. Also, it's just sort of one of those things you, you dream about and, and craft over time and to see how far it's gone from, you know, this, this rock I had on a stick to this, you know, fully patented in us and Canada 
company that I'm able to sort of help make an impact for kids in the community that is, you know, so important to me, I think has been really cool. And in a lot of ways, it's sort of a, you know, a, a life dream to see this really continue to make an impact. That's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I think it plays into your advice too, of, you know, you do you and go your rocks. I'm sure along the way, some people, uh, you know, even mom and dad were probably like, what are you doing? You're trying to sell this little piece of rubber to glue onto a stick. And you're like, yeah, th- th- this is what I'm doing. I'm sticking to my guns and look at where it's gotten you. Yeah, rock on. <laughs> that, that, that's almost the uh, perfect ending since it all started with a rock. <laughs> uh, well, Corey, I appreciate you taking time today. Always fun to talk to you. You know, hopefully we can get on the ice again here together at some point, um, you know, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. It's always fun talking with Corey. Whether it be skating at the rink with them, seeing them at the Let's Play Hockey Expo, or just talking over Zoom. If you want to give a goalie guru a shout on your stick, use promo code 10DTALK20 at checkout for 20% off. That's all one word. Listen, these things aren't expensive to begin with, but if you've been thinking about a trigger grip like I was, or are simply intrigued by the concept, now is the time to go to getgoalieguru.com and try it out. Remember, 10 Talk 20 at checkout will get you 20% off. You can follow Goalie Guru on Instagram and Facebook at GetGoalieGuru, all one word. They're also on TikTok too. Search for them and they'll show up. I don't know. I'm not a TikTok person, so I don't know how all that works out. But maybe we'll see Corey dancing at some point. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights when I'm able to find a skate during this pandemic, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Washed Up Goalie or Tendy Talk Apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. I recently revamped the shop, adding some items as well as some goalie-silhouetted-inspired pieces. I even just got a uh, notebook with the Tendy Talk logo on it for work. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show. The BLPA Big Show is a couple of beer leaguers chatting about their beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. The show is hosted by Nick Jones and Trish Dangle, a former Tendy Talk guest, with other co-hosts filling in occasionally. With the BLPA in the middle of draft experience season, episodes are bound to have stories from the latest tournaments and information about upcoming ones. And if you hear any squeaking behind me, that's my little puppy telling me she wants to play. I need to thank the band where she is barking. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. 
It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Hockey week!